Hello and welcome to the Meaningfulistic Podcast. I am your host, Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm asking questions about what matters, to who, and why in the deepest, most personal sense. This is an exploration to find deep meaning at the intersection of the secular and the sacred, the artistic and the scientific. I'll interview ordinary people who find creative, unique, and profound ways to live a holistically healthy life that is in tune with the physical, mental, emotional, social, intellectual, and spiritual. Welcome to episode one of the Meaningfulistic Podcast. What you're about to hear is the first time that I pressed record on an interview. Thankfully, my best friend Haywood Glover carried me through the entire conversation. I wanted the topic for the first show to be around vulnerability or risk-taking, and I was able to talk to him because this is what he does for a living. I was unfortunately unable to capitalize on some of the great things that he was saying. One of the most important things that I think he said was that the work that he does in risk analysis is one of the greatest joys in his life. But he did also mention that risk aversion is kind of a curse in his life. It's the lens through which he filters everything. And that can be helpful. It can be hurtful. But I think that everyone has that calculation when they're trying to take chances in life, whether it's in the workplace or in relationships. Thankfully, he had a lot to offer, and I owe him a great gratitude for being the first interviewee for the Meaningfulistic podcast. Without further ado, this is episode one, Risky Business. I'm with my good friend, Haywood Glover. Mr. Haywood, thank you for joining me on this podcast adventure. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. The so, maiden voyage. I'm number one. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't find anyone better at the moment. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's on hold. He's not responding. I um, appreciate that. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, so... I wanted to find something that was relevant to what you do. And I wanted to start with what you do because you are a mystery, sir. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I've been in, I work in within a supply chain. I'm what they call a demand process manager. Pretty much the, my mission statement is to optimize our inventory for the customer demand. Um, meaning make sure whatever the customer wants, we have that inventory just in time so they can have it. Uh, part of my job is analytics. I look at different markets. I look at future markets. I try to predict what's going to happen and teach my company or warn my company that these are the troubles and the risks that can come along with it. Uh, so it's a, it's a fun field. Um, I been in the field for seven years. I started this straight out of college where I was a finance major that was doing financial forecasting that I got into the supply chain with um, a guy named Paul Campisi. Shout out to Paul. He said, hey, you know, financial forecasting is the same thing. 
they're not the same thing. Oh, <laughs> trick me. <laughs> he tricked me, but it's it's been fun. It's one of the it's a field that's heavy on math, heavy on people relations, and it's one of the one of the greatest joys of my life just doing it. I didn't know and I wouldn't have expected it, but you know, <laughs> yeah. We came a long way. Yeah. You know, we met at the Art Institute 20 years ago. And, you know, I guess neither of us are doing what we wanted to do as far <laughs> as making video games or making, you know, 3D animated movies. But doing um, art. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in mechanical design, designing valves. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, me and Gabe, we met 20 something years ago. We were at the Art Institute, uh, young aspiring artists. Um, can I tell the story, our first conversation? Can I tell that story? It's worthy. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're lined up. I'm Glover, he's Gonzalez. So he's sitting right behind me and we're all doing our things. Art kids, if you ever... When you're in high school, there's always this art kid and the art kids always look straight down at their desk and they're always drawing. They're not listening to anything the teacher said. So me walking into the Art Institute room, everybody is looking straight at their desk because you're in a room full of art kids. So I'm drawing, I'm doing my thing. I was like, you know what? Be social. I turn around to this guy with this long hair <laughs> looking like the crow for the movie, Brandon Lee style. Um, turn around to this guy. I was like, hey, man, that's some good art. I'm looking at it. It's like a skulls and all that stuff. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing? He just looks at me straight face and says, I like to draw skulls. I turned immediately around. and I was like, yeah, stuff happens. I know who's going to start it. <laughs> so <laughs> kept my eye on him ever since. Yes. That's funny over there. <laughs> I still like drawing skulls. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, so, Art yeah. Institute, uh, I did that realize I love art, but I don't love doing art for other people. Um, got out of that. Then I bumped around working. Then I went back to school and that's how I got here. So, yes. Thank you for that, sir. Embarrassing moment. Fine. Eh, fine. That's fine. Uh, it's, it was the nineties. We're good. Yeah. The, the, the risk aspect of what you do like you said, optimize inventory. Obviously, you don't want to have too too much inventory. You don't want to have a shortage of inventory. Um, and the reason how that relates to risk directly is because of, you know, what, fluid cash? Um, yeah, so... Versus... Yeah, just think about this. Um, having inventory... Well, you're spending money to buy inventory first. And you're dedicating a lot of manpower to store it. So let's say we're Walmart or very at, yeah, we're Walmart. We're buying, we have to buy stuff from people from across the ocean. So you have to do a calculation. How fast can we get there? And what will the customer demand be? Um, if it's a toy, a popular toy, you have to factor in if it's Christmas time or around there, people are going to want it. So you have to factor those in. Um, you don't want to buy too much because the problem is reason why every, after on Valentine's Day, you can get all the cheap candy. It's because they always buy too much. They think it's going to be a big holiday. People are going to buy all this candy. And their person that's doing the forecasting is always calculating too much. And they have to sell it for a discount because they know this product sitting on the shelf costs money. It's taking retail space. 
So I'm doing all these equations in my mind when I'm doing my job. How fast can we get product? What is the customer demand in this? And there's an element called risk. What is the risky option? If I say, hey, if I'm the forecaster, it's like, you know what, buy a couple of tons of chocolate. We're going to sell it all. It's all good. There's a risk to it. How much is that going to cost us? How is that going to affect us? And what are we going to dedicate our resources to that? Also, what if chocolate has some kind of listeria, something, some bug on it? I have to start factoring other risks like that. I do a big risk equation. I have a risk sheet saying for this type of product, starts really narrow. These are the possibilities. Hey, the product might get really come in late. Then I spread out to, you know what? Um, the U.S. government might say chocolate is bad for you. We'll never be able to buy another chocolate bar ever again. So I have to factor that in at the highest risk. There's right. different levels of risk in your life, meaning there's short-term risk, there's long-term risk, and there's dangerous. I mean, risk that you don't think will happen. So I have to factor that in. I have to tell my boss or the people that look to me, the our sales directors, our VP of sales, this is a risky option or it's not. I'm always looking for risk. And you're, you're always trying to prepare for the worst case scenario. I'm always looking at that. I am a pessimist. He will, <laughs> Gabe will say that. I, I'm always looking for the worst case scenario and I'm never optimistic about a position ever. <laughs> so yes, I'm always, I'm preparing people for the worst all the time. So are you familiar with this? I just stumbled upon him recently. Nassim Nicholas Talib. He is no. a mathematician, um, statistician. So he has a series of books. Um, let me see. Hate to sound uninformed. So the book that I picked up was Anti-Fragile. Anti-Fragile meaning there's, it was pretty interesting because I found that there was actually no word. And he even mentioned very er early off in the book that there's no word for the opposite of fragile. Uh, normally sturdy. you would say, very good. Sturdy mm -hmm. was another one that you would assume. I'm strong. Strong. Durable. Durable. Uh, a lot of the people, a lot of the, what he, what his beef was, was a lot of the people who are critique, critiques or people that were trying to understand what he's saying, were often use the word resilient or robust. And his problem is pretty much saying like, if something is fragile, you are, you're expecting an external, you know, interaction and it would become weaker, correct? Yes. And, and you would, and he equates what the proper definition of robust, strong, uh, resilient to be uh, less resistant to weakness from that external stimulus. So the opposite of fragile is not necessarily resistance, it's which to, to weakness, it would actually be uh, growth, uh, excelling, um, uh, producing. So, the, so if resilience strength is uh, net zero and fragility is a negative, then what is the positive? And so he coined this term anti-fragile. In it, he's okay. talking about, yeah, so I was like, okay, fine. It's cool, I like it. Um, and, he, and so, but, the, but in it, he's talking about the, the, the example of risk because um, he was a New York stock trader and he turned um, deep heavy. I'm, I can't even 
go into all his credentials. Um, but the the concept is that when it comes to risk, one of the flaws is that people always go, they always try to assume the, the worst case scenario. And what he's saying is the worst case scenario is always worse than the worst case scenario than you predicted based on you can't predict um, unpredictability. And so everything has an inherent unpredictability built in within it. Um, another concept I heard about, you know, people who try to calculate um, assurance, um, uh, security, right? Certainty, uh, you're gonna have the same problem. Um, have you heard of Heisenberg uncertainty principle? No. So this is the same, along the same lines that there's always gonna be an element of uncertainty in anything. Um, um, that's one, 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 uh, one estimate would be, you can only be 80% certainty at the best of any time of anything. How would you, oh. would you say 80 is a good uh, estimate? If you're 80% right on something, you're extraordinarily good. <laughs> so <laughs> to assume um, that something is going to go exactly the way you expect it in yeah, not 80% of the time, but just in one instance, you have an 80% probability of being correct. Yeah. So that's the thing. Um, I'm watching a TV show called Billions and all their best laid out plans happen exactly like it's supposed to. Nothing in the life in life works that way. This is going to happen. So this is going to happen. That's going to happen. I don't do that. I tell people all the time at my job, I am not a fortune teller. One of the few things I have a de on my desk is a magic eight ball. Remember that toy? <laughs> that's, how and, you, that's how you make decisions at work, man. <laughs> well, I tell people, it's like, you're paying me because I know how to research and figure things out for you. And I'm going to tell you probabilities. I'm never going to tell you this is certain. I'm never going to predict the future. I was like, I might as well grab that eight ball off my desk and shake it and tell you what you want to hear. Cause that's how it is. Now, in my now the big thing, um, I'm more right than wrong. That's the one thing that my boss appreciates. If I say something's going to happen, I am more right than wrong. I will never give somebody, hey, this is it. We have a forecast accuracy, a probability of how accurate we are, where we are predictions, our customer demands match exactly what I say it's going to be. If I'm in the 70s, I'm popping champagne. <laughs> um, when I started, well, just the, when I started in my last company years ago, my first company, we were at 35% accuracy. That means we were very bad at what we did. You might as well just throw it up in the air and hope that we land on something. I got us all the way to 80%. And it took years. That's five years of work. It's about weeding out, hey, noise, history, and understanding patterns. Like I'm always looking for patterns in people's behavior, actions in the market, and everything. Um, that's how I operate. Now, now, if I could predict the future, I would not be working in supply chain. I would be doing lottery tickets or, <laughs> I mean, when I got out of school, I could have go work for banks and do that stuff by financial forecasting. But this was a little bit more grounded and it's a little bit more. I think they were talking about Warren Buffett, one of the richest men on earth. Um, 
he places a lot of bets and he hits on like 8% of his bets. Mm. And I was like, the reason why is he so successful is 8% is really good at that, that type of level. Um, you can't, when it comes to just looking at risk and probability and stats and all that, you have to understand that you can't predict the future. And once you get that out of your mind, you look at it a little bit cleaner. You look at it for, you're looking for patterns. You're looking for things that you can put your finger on and say, this is real. And because this is real, this could happen this way or that way. And you start measuring the, you start doing the tree. It breaks mm. off from this and do that. So, I mean, yeah, everything you said, the two authors that you quoted are absolutely right. I don't, I don't calculate the future. I tell people probabilities of what's going to happen. And we work within those probabilities. And, and I mean, what I wanted to get down to when it comes to risk is you're doing it for a purpose, you know, in, in the work setting, you're doing it, like you said, so that the supply equals the demand you're, and you're not at a loss and you're not housing inventory that is unnecessary. I mean, every company I've ever worked with has that problem where you go to the warehouse and you're like, what is this stuff? on the shelves that is rusting or whatever. Um, so yeah. what I'm looking at um, is, is the meaning of that risk. So like, you know, managers would look at that risk and say it's manageable that yes, overstock, over inventory, it's negligible, it's handleable. You know, you know we have the real estate in the warehouse to handle it. Um, at a certain point, it wouldn't be. Um, case in point, my company uh, sold out to a different uh, group of investors. Um, they're reducing the uh, amount of buildings we own. So one building is going away. What happens to that warehouse? Well, we have to house it somewhere. So what does that mean to our existing warehouse? Well, you got to make room for it. You got to make room for the other people's stuff. Uh, you're talking about real estate. So real estate there is square footage. You don't have enough square footage. What are you going to do? Well, that's when you start doing some spring cleaning, right? You need to get rid of the stuff that you don't need. Um, but as far as meaning goes, the meaning of the risk, there's in like real estate, right? Square footage has meaning. Product has meaning. Price has meaning. Um, storage, you know, has meaning. How would you risk things in your personal life um that's the meaning of what do you value in your personal life and the things that you value you're going to take risks on um one of the examples i was i was given uh was you know you're you're in a relationship you're gonna ask your wife you're gonna ask your future wife to marry you you're taking a risk a momento risk in your life that she'll say no or more more risky she might say yes Right. That's, <laughs> that's that means you are indebted to uphold the terms of that, you know, implied contract of of a relationship. Um, how would you you said you mentioned. Um, manpower. Manpower can be equ equated to effort and, and an example of in a relationship, you're putting in a massive amount of manpower, your entire soul, as some would say, <laughs> into a relationship. Yeah. So, well, you, well, so why are you single? 
<laughs> well, first off, you know, I, I'm risk averse. I don't like taking risk. I was like, so me looking at the calculations of how my relationships with people, I'm a very good single person. I look at it and I, I do this calculation in my mind. What if we always have this thing where you see somebody, you, first time you see him, you're just like, man, I really like her. So most people say she looks really nice. I want to take her to dinner. I want to sweep her off her feet of romance. I go 20 steps deeper. I start calculating stuff. I start thinking about, all right, she's this. She's very pretty. Um, how old is she? If I want a family, could she give me a family? What's the probability on that? Okay. What if my friends hate her? There's a good chance of that. My friends are pretty stuck up. Hey, Gabe. But what if they hate him? <laughs> I was like, so we are always calculating risk in our life. That's the one thing. Any relationship we are, we are choosing, do I continue to be a friend? Is it good business to be a friend? Or is it too risky to be a friend? We've all, when we were growing up in high school or even in our early 20s, we had that one crazy wild friend that would do some crazy wild stuff. And it was risky to hang out with them. When your parents would look at you and say, hey, who are you hanging out with? I'm hanging out with, mine was Trey. <laughs> hey, I'm hanging out with Trey. There's a, oh, really? Be careful. <laughs> and, and you would have to do this calculation with Trey like, hey, let's go to this club. You start calculating the risk of going to the club. So we're always making this equation in our mind about risk. And you're either risk averse, meaning that you don't want to take risk. Are you saying the reward is greater than the risk? That's the thing. Back to Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett might put millions and millions and millions of dollars because he knows if he hits, he might triple, quadruple, 10 times that amount. So when I look at my relationships with a person, I say, what's my risk equation for them? And if it works out, what will be the reward? And is the risk worth that? So... I look at that at every single factor of it. Every single factor of everything I do, I'm calculating risk. It's a curse. It's absolutely a torturous thing because I can't have normal conversations without start thinking about, hmm, what if? And I start running through these stats. The big thing about my job, it's a lot of research. I research yeah. really weird things. Like I was, I was trying to find the... Price of milk, I was looking at price of milk, birth rates, and um, just birth rates in America versus how much roads are being paid on the year to make an equation about liquid epoxy resin, because I know all three of these markets tied to it. So when I see a person, I start making these equations of my buy. Where can I take her? What would they do in this? And it's a risky probability for me to deal with folks because most people don't understand that. So why am I single? It's because I'm always in my own head. Some deep stuff for you, Gabe. No, I mean- We're supposed to, honest, to share that over whiskey, <laughs> not over a Zoom, <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, people do that normally. They don't call it that. They might not have taken it to that level that you do. I mean, and some people should, you know, some people shouldn't have jumped into that marriage that relationship um 
I mean, you, you, you tend to, you can throw in uh, uh, all the variables you want. And again, you're only trying to reduce um, what? Harm? You're trying to reduce risk. Yeah. You're trying to make it not a risk. So well, back to it, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not, no, it's not, it's not, you're, you're not trying to reduce risk. You can't reduce risk. The risk is inherent. You're trying no, to you reduce, reduce the harm of it. No, you can reduce risk. You can't eliminate risk. Okay. That's the thing. You can make things not risky. So that's the thing. Oh, I can go with Trey to the club. Instead of riding with Trey, I'll drive my own car. Risk gets reduced. Yeah. Instead of having buying drinks for Trey, guess what? I'm going to say I'm going sober. I'm drinking nothing but water. He, he doesn't have to keep up with me. Risk okay. reduced. Okay. So you are always constantly reducing risk in little bits of equations. My relationships with people is, huh, all right, this, this person is kind of on the wild side. I'm not going to take her to the five-star restaurant over there. I'm about to take her to Pluckers. <laughs> We're going to eat some wings. <laughs> and maybe a baseball game. Uh, and it's, so it's not a good thing if you take her to Pluckers and she, she's super happy about it. Well, she thinks you're nope. the greatest thing ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like we're always making these equations in our mind and it's just being more realistic with it. Me, I don't, like I said, I'm risk averse. I don't like putting myself in bad situations. There's a couple of things that I hate. I hate when I don't understand the situation at all. If I'm caught off guard with something, it puts me in a bad place. That's at work and in my personal life. Like, um, prime example, I was working in a steel industry, still S-T-E-E-L, not stealing. But a couple of years ago, a Boeing airplane, um, the 737 MAX crashed. And we had a contract with a, multiple airlines to sell them aluminum and all these platings for their planes. When that happened, I remember watching it on the news. The first thing I did was call the director of supply chain. She didn't take my call, so I called the VP of sales. Didn't take my call, so I called the CEO. I told him, this is a risky place. That plane crashing, we're going to lose some business. And he was like, yeah, okay, I'll let, you talk. I'll let the VP call you. He called me the next day. I'm going in. I was like, airlines crashing makes people scared. And I was like, and if they don't know why it crashed, we're going to have a problem. I was like, I give them probabilities. There's a chance that this is going to disrupt business and we need to think about it. He told me, kick rocks, get out of his office. That's silly. Don't ever call the CEO again. What, a week later, another 737 MAX crashed? Then a month later, another one crashed? And we lost all of our airline. Our aerospace market crashed on us. People were not buying materials because they didn't know what was going on. The market became too risky. We got stuck with something like $180 million worth of material for a medium-sized company. That's, a, that's something you can't shrug off. And we had to do a fire sale to get rid of it. We lost our shirt on that. So risk is something that when I see warning signs, I get scared. So if I see a female that gets a little bit too happy at Pluckers <laughs> and she's only ordering the garlic wings and won't touch anything else. I was like, there's something going on with this. <laughs> what is it about the garlic and garlic Parmesan? 
<laughs> I mean, look, girl. Uh, no, we're not going. Garlic. <laughs> I don't want to be too close to anybody that eats too much garlic. I'm just saying. It it, it, it calms me down. I take out the risk equation. I was told you have my risk thing. They're not a vampire, so I'm good there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. It was like we see these signs, and the thing that I try to teach to people I work with: if you see a sign and it catches your attention congratulations you're seeing something that you need to relay to everybody and tell them this is what your fears are so in my personal relationships if i see that yellow card come out it's a warning i'm expecting that red card to come follow very soon so with your relationships with people you're you're looking at the risk things and most people won't look at it that way we are all, well, here's Haywood in this philosophy thing. We are all so happy to be involved with people that we are willing to choose to ignore risk. But people that choose to ignore risk ends up with $180 million worth of inventory that they can't sell. Yeah. And you said that, like, the reward, the reward has to be greater than the risk. The risk that you're taking in, in business and in your personal life you can be invested in a person and like you're saying it's the wrong person and then you're you're end up hurt you're you're fragile you're on the negative net negative side for having invested time right energy money in a person um i know a little bit about that myself <laughs> well we, we talked about manpower that's what i'm that's yes. the equation you're putting all this effort into in an individual you take her out, you're spending money, you're doing this, you're letting her meet your friends and families, and you're ignoring all the red flag or the yellow cards and red flags that are being thrown left and right. Because you're hoping the risk equation for you, all this stuff, yeah, she might be, she might like those garlic wings a little bit too much. Um, she might be a little bit off, but hey, this is what I'm gonna get in the long run. It's gonna be better than that. The thing that I tell people is like, how often does that work out for you? How often does the, hey, the reward, it's so much greater than the risk. I was just talking about billions. Mm -hmm. That's a TV show that's scripted. So their rewards are super great, billions of dollars. One thing you can't get back is time. And I'm very cautious with my time. I'm not going to waste time with somebody that I think is too risky. I'm not going to do that because I can never get it back. Once you lose time, it's gone forever. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I'm not a, a big believer. As, oh, it's a lesson learned. Screw that. I don't want to learn any lessons. <laughs> I, want to, I want to make the right decision more times than not. So there you go. Risk again. I don't do risky things because I don't want to lose in the long run. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what I mean. I that makes me good at my job, but it makes me a very downer <laughs> at my job too. Cause I in life, I was like, I'm a downer. I don't care about a lot of situations. It's like if there's a chance for me to lose, I don't like losing. I'm very bitter. I'm not a good loser. What was that line that you said about the mattress firm? <laughs> oh, what, what do you mean? Uh, you'd rather be oh i'd rather be rich than right yeah that's the i mean that's the thing it was like well 
that's a different thing. opposite. <laughs> yeah, that's totally opposite. But I mean, so because I because work- in that scenario, you're valuing you're valuing money. I mean, you're you're value you're you're willing to risk maybe bending the truth a little to make a sale, right? Or yeah. or to be proven wrong in you know whatever you know selling tactic that you're using in order to make the sale because your end motive in that scenario is close, close the deal, make the money. The, 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 the value, like what I'm trying to get at is in personal life, what matters to you is your personal well-being, your personal, you know, safety. You have a life that, like you said, it, it, it can be measured in time. It can be measured in quality. Um, the things that you adhere to in your life that matter to you are things that you don't want to put on a table that is going to be um, harmed in any way. You want somebody that's going to come in and and not be that net negative, that they're going to be a positive, that they're going to push you to have more of what you already have, right? You don't want to be in a relationship and you're, and that person is a drain on you you want them to be the you know encouragement source of um source of love source of peace source of um gratitude and 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 make you feel like your time is worth spending with that person yeah you you hit on that i don't i don't gamble like gambling is very silly to me because it was like i know the odds are with the house so why gamble but my relationships with people I don't, I'm very risk averse and I don't like gambling. And I was like, that's the thing. I was like, I need sure bets. I need things that are going to happen. And now in life, I understand why are you single? Hey, what sound like my mom, Gabe? I told my mom, you said hi. Um, but the thing is, I was like, reason why that way is like, I don't want to gamble and lose my time or build a, like one of the things that are growing up, here's a story. If you know, my brother's. Travis used to bring all these girls that he's dating from high school up. He'd bring these girls, meet them with the family. They would sit him down for Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and next holiday, there's another girl. Yeah. And every time we're doing this circle over and over again, I remember he was like, hey, Wood, I know you got girls. You never bring any of them around because, like, I don't want to waste my family's time. I don't want to waste their time knowing some girl that I know that's not going to make it. And that's the thing. You can't, you can't get things back and putting stuff on the table and gambling with it. It's a very risky thing to me. I was like, you, I mean, you, you're my closest friend on earth. You're older than me, but we're still friends. (laughs) But this is the thing. You will never meet some of these girls I'm dealing with because it's like your time and your opinion matters so much more to me than any other girl. I have this, I have a lot of people's like, I've never met any of your friends. It's like, there's a reason, <laughs> there's a reason for that. <laughs> it was like, until they matter, there's no need for them to be met. So yeah. that's how I look at it. It was like, it's so, I don't gamble what's, what's mine. Cause I've worked really, really hard to get everything that I have, everything that I have and all the people that I care for. I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste my time. 
So relationships are two relationships are a two-way street. And when I see that one street is very bumpy and full of potholes, you gotta walk away. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, you know, like you said, reticence towards sharing that person with, with people that you care about, what you love, with you know, that you love. Um Kaysen, I know you're thinking about like romantic relationships. There's also friend relationships. Like you said, you, you're not going to introduce that friend unless it's a, like, you know, unless they've made it to a, a higher rank. Right. Or this one, I, I, I got, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm sorry, yeah. but I think about you and your wife. Yeah. I remember the first time I met her, you were, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, and you kept talking about her. Let me let me brag. You kept talking about her. You kept bra- There's this girl. She likes comic books. She talks to me all the time. <laughs> I was like, okay, Gabe. And you kept going. Every five seconds, you kept bringing this lady up. And I was like, bring her around, Gabe. I don't know. Then you started talking about her again. And you finally brought her around. And when you brought her into the house, it was me and some other lady. Remember her. Crazy as she can be. And we're eating breakfast. We're talking. We're drinking. I was, I realized, I was like, you don't bring anybody around that doesn't matter. It was like, in your whole entire life, we know each other 20 something years. There's only been three ladies that you brought around. One was when I first met you. One was, oh, when, yeah. the, one was when you, I mean, you were formerly married. And yeah. one is this one. When she was brought into the house, I was like, oh yeah. I remember Elisa. She was like, what do you think about her? I was like, oh, Gabe likes her. It was like, you see him all whispering up in the corner and all that good stuff. <laughs> I was like, and I told her, I was like, Gabe wouldn't bring anybody around that does not matter. That's all it is. You wouldn't yeah. waste my time with somebody that doesn't matter. And that's the respect that we have for each other is just, and with other people, I have this great respect. I'm not going to waste anybody's time because that's too much of a commodity to get, you can't get it back. Yeah. So once again, you don't waste time. Time it's too important. And also like your affection, your words. Like you wouldn't be giving, you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk to somebody who you thought would be, you know, a waste of time talking to, right? You wouldn't give your, you wouldn't divulge personal information. You wouldn't um share uh even sometimes even a joke, even if you think it's funny. There's some people you're like, I'm not gonna tell this person this joke. I think it's funny, I'm gonna keep it to myself. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, my, my mom taught me a long time ago. Like, there's sort of, if you met me, you could say, hey, how's it going? When you first called me, you say, how's it going? I'm asking you about your family, asking me about my day. I don't ask everybody, not even in small talk, how's your day? How's it going? I don't ask that question <laughs> because I was like, I don't really don't need to know. It's not something that I was like, it's a waste of time for me to ask because I don't care. I mean, that's harsh, but that's the thing. I think it's too much time. is too much of a commodity for us to waste asking questions that we don't really want to know the answer to. So, I mean, that's, I mean, so, I mean, it ties to everything that I do. And I was like, it's really, my job is a curse on me. If it doesn't matter, it gets thrown out of my job. Like this equation does not matter. I do a multiple regression model where I take a bunch of different variables. I'll take 20 different variables, take all these data points. I try to combine them and say, hey, if this one goes up, these others go up. If this one goes down, all of them go down. I'm always trying to find this model to make it make sense. If it doesn't matter, I throw it away. I never think about it again. So 
once again, it was like, if I have a conversation with somebody, I never ask questions I don't want to know. And you'll never have me having small talk with people because I just, it's like, it's too much of a waste of time. It was like, I don't really want to know how you do it. I was like, I just don't. <laughs> so if I don't, I mean, you'll notice that. I mean, you know me for years. So you probably, I don't ask people, hey, how's your day? I just don't. I don't really care to know. So I never ask that question. I'm, I'm proper. I'm not rude, but they'll be like, Hey, how's your day going? Oh, it's going well. And they're just sitting there looking at you waiting for the toss back. And it never comes. I'm bad at that. Almost, I almost always, when somebody asks me, how are you doing? I pretty much say good and walk off. Well, the, I mean, we all have these natural reactions. There's a, you, so remember CDs yeah. <laughs> we're old enough to remember CDs. You would go to sound waves or Best Buy, whatever. And you know, you don't have a particular CD that you're looking for. You walk into the CD section and one of the salespeople come up to you and you say, hey, can I help you? What do you say automatically? No, no I'm just looking. I was that guy. Can I help I'm, you find something? No, I'm never <laughs> that guy. I was, no, I had worked at the record store, man, <laughs> at the Galleria. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> They're like, I, they had cameras on me, and the guy was like, "Yeah, you need to engage with the customers more." I'm like, "I don't want to." He's like, <laughs> "I was watching you on the camera. You didn't move for 15 minutes." <laughs> I was like, "Cause, cause I'm not a salesman." I was like, "If you want to find something, I'll tell you where to go. I'm gonna sit there and ask you. So, what do you think about world music? Have you ever heard? <laughs> have, you heard have you ever heard this latest? Uh, you know what?" Cranberry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, well, different. So if I'm in the store, somebody said, Can I help you? I'm like, Yes. I want to get in and out. I'm always about not wasting my time. So, like, yeah. hey, can you? When they, I know they get shocked because it's like, Absolutely, you can help me. I need this, this, and that. Help me. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. We have these natural. Not- does not huh? apply. You go in, I'm, I'm finding the first person. I'm like, look, I need this. I'm not walking around this whole store at Home Depot. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> because I'm going to track you down. I don't know where this thing is. So you don't have to ask. I'm pro- they're probably tired of people asking, hey, where can I find this, you know, adapter? Yeah. I, I'm, that, I'm that person that will, I mean, once again, it's about not wasting my time. And it was yeah. like, no, I want to have that. And it was like, you have to break yourself with those natural reactions. Like, hey, can I help you? No, I'm good. Knowing that you need help. Knowing that you need help, you automatically say that. And you feel That's like pride, idiot. Yeah, it's, it's not even pride. It's a natural reaction. It's one of those things. Yeah. It's like hitting your knee and your leg kicks out. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like we. my thing is never back to the job. Break those reactions. Break those trends. So, so my life... I- I think you focus on it. I mean, you have your mindset based on, you know, calculating risk in a negative sense. And the best you can do is to, like you said, reduce it. You can't really eliminate it, but you try to reduce it as much as possible. So that way your company can function as the way it's supposed to. I mean, you're not in the business of marketing. You're not in the sales. You're not, you're not on the other end trying to bring revenue in. You're just trying to stop the flow of negative, right? The positive. The positive is somebody else's position. So that's why when you say like it's your curse, I think it's just that you've been highly trained and you see it, like you said, 
because you know it's like you're wearing you know if people wear rose colored glasses everything's great well you're what you were walking around you know with the dark pair saying everything's dark it, it, it's a curse because at my job that's effective in real world relationships that is not because you can talk to people you could communicate with people and tell people your fears your goals and everything and they can be sympathetic figures to reduce that risk and comf- comfort you it's my, it's my curse because I won't even engage in those conversations. I just told you about my time twice. I don't do small talk. And if I need something, I immediately say what I need to get in and out. So the equation, I see a beautiful girl where I, I won't even ask her, hey, you mind of us going somewhere else outside of Pluckers? What else do you like? She, was, she might say, you know what? I really like fine dining, but I wanted to watch a baseball game. I will never have that conversation. So that's my curse. Engaging with people gets you a lot of things. At my job, I engage with the sales team. I engage with them as like, hey, you're saying you're going to sell this. Tell me why. And they tell me stuff and I start measuring. Huh, is that true? What's their confidence level? There's a comp- In math, there's a thing called a confidence interval. I'm always calculated at that in my mind. How confident are you thinking this is going to happen? How positive is this correlation to this product? So with your personal life, you can do that. But I'm already, I'm making some really broad strokes categories when I see a person about my risk. Because I told this to a girl the other day. We went out for, well, she went out for drinks. I was just there. I was drinking Sprite. (laughs) And she was like, I think you're a drunk. I was like, I haven't had a drink. I, I just had a bunch of sprites. It's just like, we should not drink and drive. I was like, yes, you should not drink and drive. I had nothing to drink. And I told her this was like one guarantee you will have with me. It's like, I don't, I like myself more so than anybody else on earth. I really like me. I will never put myself in too much of a risky situation. Thus, knowing how you drink, I drunk Sprite so I could get you back to your place, drop you off and go home peacefully. So the problem with my thing is I don't, I can have that conversation and maybe we can find some common ground where, oh, we don't have to drink. Maybe we Uber everywhere, stuff like that. I don't want to have those conversations. It's a curse because the risk calculation drives me to risk aversion that drives me to don't engage. Where Would you... We, would you I, I, what I'm hearing is you probably... Are you, but you're comfortable with that level of risk of I'm not gonna, no, I'm not gonna say that. I mean, real talking, I don't, the meaningful relationships I have are with you and a handful of people. You know me for all my life. You know my friends that, uh, well, 20 years, half of my life, you know me. You know the other side of my friend, Efren, I've been knowing all my life. I have, don't make new friends. I don't make new friends. And the new friends I have, like your wife, she's a friend. She's family. But she's family because she's your family. So I could trust her automatically because that's yours. Uh, she's yours. You know what I mean? Not yeah. possessive or whatever. I'm not trying to get that started. No, you yeah. get it. So it's a, it's a bad thing. I was like, don't. I was like, it gets to the point where I'm sitting there and I was like, I'll go to eat at a restaurant because I don't want to engage by myself. I will 
I will dodge places because I don't want to engage because look, it's too risky to even deal with these people. It puts a burden on our soul that when you see too much risk in every single situation, it puts a burden on you. I don't wish that for anybody. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if you, if you wish some people would be more con- con- cautious, aware of the fact that the things that they're doing are causing other people harm. Would you wish that other people would be more risk averse and saying, I am not going, I mean, for me, that meaning that deeper underlying meaning of being a better person has, has an element of, I don't want to upset somebody. I don't want to add negativity in the world um, driving too fast or, or cutting somebody off. Or uh, if, if it takes a moment of patience, a moment of grace, a moment of, of, of charity, I'd rather pick that than cause somebody some pain in some way. And that's why I was wondering if being risk averse, it caused you inherently to be a better person in a way. It does, because I don't want to do any harm to anybody. The religious Haywood kicks in too, (laughs) where I don't want to do harm to anybody. I know that if I, I know that maybe I can hurt people's feelings. I know if I can, I can do some real damage if I really want to, because there's a, you know me, there's a, there's this do right, do right in the world. And there's also this whole entire I want to see what we can do in this world. What can we break? That's the thought I have. I've always, I mean, that's the other side, personal side of me, where I'm always like, do I need to be this risk averse? I see everybody else getting away with it. Why don't I try to do that? So it's, I mean, yes, I wish people were more kind and more sincere and more understanding of their actions do affect others. Everything you do is a butterfly effect happening over and over again. So, I'm hoping that people can understand that, but it's a very hard thing to do because most people can't calculate faster. Um, So I was reading about chess the other day. This is going to make sense to you. How you and I were playing chess and we're thinking three or four times ahead, three or four moves and we're calculating this could happen, this could happen. We're about three to four chess masters, like 20, 25 moves ahead. Most of us have that short term. Most of us can't play chess. So they have no earthly idea the things that they are doing is harming people. So I wish they did, but I do envy the recklessness of their behavior. They go out and live life and they do a lot of crazy and wild things that I will never be able to do because my mind can't calculate that way. I can't get out of my own way. Um, so yeah, it's there's a lot of things to it. I mean, it's a gift and a curse. It's like, yeah, I'm really good at great figuring odds. Really good at figuring odds. Really good at my job. I will get my bonus every year. Guaranteed. I was like, I will be recruited by a lot of companies that want to pay me money because of what I do. But in personal life space, I was like, I'm very, very cautious of what I do all the time. Like I said, there's a level of awareness that you're already heightened. Your senses are heightened and and they're oriented towards seeing that risk aversion, but also, like you said, self-preservation. Yeah, I mean, everybody, we want to survive as humans. 
that is just a natural thing. We want to survive and multiply, period. I'm just more survive at all costs. <laughs> I'm, I'm more, no, 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 no. That's too risky. Do it this way. You got to live life a little bit. I choose not to because it was like, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary doing really crazy things. And it's just, it's, it's a risky situation for me to go that route. It's not a good one. I don't want anybody. I mean, yes, everybody should be able to calculate risks and understand it. But sometimes I wish I could shut that part of my brain off to live alone. That goes into that one topic that I think that I wanted to go in with, you know, mm -hmm. with you is the ignorance is bliss. Oh, our favorite topic. Yeah. We've talked, we've been talking that, about that for 20 years. <laughs> that That's the, that's the thing that's like, I think we're kind of both equally kind of over analyzers, over thinkers, over, we analyze ourselves. I go into I can go into kind of realms of uh, uh, a lot of self-doubt a lot of regret a lot of remorse a lot of uh, uh, I weigh heavily on on that almost to the point of anxiety because I'm always second guessing myself uh, my motives my reasons and the things I should have said things I could have said um, uh, and it tries and I pray I, I pray to say better things to 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 not have a negative filter on myself. Um, uh, but I, you know, like I said, I was going to get into the ignorance is bliss and also into that religious aspect of the, the moral meanings behind uh, living a better life. And what are the meanings of those better lives? Cause I'm like, I told you um, and I want it to be a theme for the podcast to say, what can you do on all three levels of your functionality? Meaning, you know, mind, body, spirit, how can your mind, uh, uh, excel how can you excel at your body how can you excel at your spirit i think you've done very well for yourself your mind is 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 well tuned you you see it you work it you 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 do it at work you do it in your personal life and i know you work out also sir got those guns <laughs> <laughs> yes and then you yeah. have a spiritual aspect about you too and you know i don't want to go too deep into that right now we're okay we're at I it mean, we're right at an hour so um, Bobby. yeah, I hear but you. I, I, mean, I have the I have uh, references that I want to throw at you. Okay, uh, get your brain on. Um, okay. This is just like I said, an introduction to Mr. Haywood Glover <laughs> and his brilliant big <laughs> milk <laughs> <What? blood> brain. <laughs> I I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I mean, I think yeah, it's. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun. It's I don't get to talk often about my job and what it does to me. So it's been it's been enlightening. The more the more you talk about it, I mean, is it'll be a I mean, hopefully a little uh, element of catharsis for you, and also a learning moment for anybody who wants to uh, take what you say as as life experience and uh, apply that to their own life. That's yeah, what man. I hope. I'm going to go cry in my shower. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, I, yeah, I hope people listen and hear. I mean, I calculate risk for a living. It's fun. It's a, 
it's an interesting build, but sometimes you have to throw risk to risk to the side and live life a little bit. Don't be me. Moral of the story. <laughs> All right, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care. All Talk right, thank you, sir. Bye.